and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Geek with your co-hosts, me, Selena and Gotti, and... Matt Mueller, what's up, everybody? So, uh, first off, hey, Matt, we're actually doing this over Skype for the first time ever. I know. How, how It's weird, right? It is a little weird. I'm so used <laughs> to, like, being in front of you. It's like I still have a microphone in front of me, and it's the exact same microphone, too, which is fun. Which is one of the uh, reasons why we said it was, like, okay to do this, because... yeah. It's not like one is, you know, has a nice setup and then the other one's in like some back alley with a <laughs> with an iPhone <laughs> mic. <laughs> yeah, like the only thing that might come from mine is since these microphones are amazing and can pick up almost anything, my like computer humming, but hopefully you won't hear that. Yeah, for mine, it's, I feel like as the podcast goes on, like people are going to think I live in like a terrible neighborhood. I really don't, but there's always a siren. And because the, the mic picks it up every time, there's always a siren, like some loud ass siren on every podcast I record now. So I don't know, whatever. It's, yeah. it's fine. Maybe my mics, my old mics were crap enough to where it didn't pick it up. So it didn't matter. <laughs> but like here, it's like, this one. it's oh, so man. loud. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what um, are we talking about today? So today is going to be a little bit of a mix, but it's mainly going to be about video games. Video games! <laughs> like, like my cookie monster. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was kind of, uh, that was kind of awesome. Uh, so we're going to talk about a few games, uh, but first, I, I have been quite interested to, I, because one, I have an awesome picture that I took with a like giant size She-Ra at New York Comic Con. And it's like one of my favorite pictures because it was just ginormous. Um, and I've been very excited for this show uh, beforehand. And now it's on Netflix. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but you have. You've made it through a couple episodes already. So I'm yeah. very eager to hear your impressions and what you think of it. So, yeah, uh, if you didn't gather already, we are going to first talk about She Ra, the Princess of Power. She Ra! And uh, it is, of course, a Netflix original by DreamWorks Animation. And it only uh, it just premiered on November 13th. And I have binged almost six full episodes so far because I just can't contain myself when it comes to things like this. Though I'm going to be very sad when I finish the season because there's only 13 episodes. And so that means I'm basically halfway through it right now. Uh, yeah, that's the only problem with binging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so a little bit about it. You may recognize one of the names. It is developed by Noelle Stevenson. Yay! The same Noelle who wrote Lumberjanes and, of course, Nimona, our beloved Nimona. And she's also done a lot of other cool stuff, because she's awesome, and I love her. But, so... I love her art. It, I do, too. Her art uh, is so cool. Though, so, with She-Ra being Netflix and DreamWorks, it should be no surprise that the art style is similar to Voltron's. Which is good. Style. That's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it's good. It does have little bits of its own flavor, but you can tell they're related, you know, as far as how they're produced, which is totally fine. I li It's a pretty style. So, of course, the animated animation is gorgeous. It's super colorful and bright. And, like, that's just surface. Like, it's just pretty. Yeah. So when you start this series... um. One, I don't know if you ever watched the original She-Ra, 
I admit, I did a really long time ago, and I barely remember it. And um, so I don't know how much of this is pulling from the original show and how much is not. But when you first start off the series, you are with Amora. She was the one who eventually becomes She-Ra. And you are in this world, as it seems at first, that is like very much just tech. Like one of the things she does first off is she's in a, a simulation for uh, combat. So not only is it tech, but it's like military tech. Um, so you go from this juxtaposition of, you know, the militaristic, super high-tech stuff to the characters, uh, Princess Glimmer and Bo, which I love them both. I just want to give them big hugs. And in a much more fairy tale looking setting. Like, you, they're in a castle and in the woods. And it's very, you know, kind of high fantasy. Except there's this undercurrent of high tech as well that is left over from the first ones. Basically an ancient race no one really knows that much about, but people use their tech or try to. And turns out Shira's sword is part of this ancient tech. And so the story actually gets going when um, Shira and one of her friends, Katra, ends up leaving the base and going into the woods. And shenanigans happen, and Shira, at this time still, um, Amora touches the sword, and then bam! Find out she's, you know, the chosen one or whatever. Oh, okay. So, and, like, that happens within, like, the first couple of minutes. And then at the very end of the episode is when you actually see her fully transform into She-Ra, though. So you go one whole episode before you see She-Ra. Okay. Um, now, did you I mind that? I did not, because you get a good establishment of um, who Amora is as a person without Shira. Okay. Uh, which turns out to be kind of a big focus of the show, that like she's a normal person who happens to have been put into this position of power that she really doesn't know anything about in this huge conflict that turns out that she's been kind of brainwashed um, about because she originally is part like so Glimmer and Bo are part of the re rebellion against the Horde which is what Amora is part of okay uh, it turns out she is a uh, quote unquote orphan uh, we, we don't know how exactly orphan she is we just know that she was raised by the Horde okay and basically brainwashed to think that they are like the good guys when it turns out they are considered the evil horde. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a nice take on it. Yeah, um, so is the you technology, a... you said it was kind of like, it's based on ancients. So is it, mm -hmm. you know, is it, is it made to look like ancient technology or does it kind of look like just like modern, like sci-fi um, stuff? It's a, it's a mix. So, okay. so, uh, in the second episode, they end up going to what is assumed an ancient's temple or some type of building that was the ancient. And it 
so the temple looks, you know, what you would think of ancient, but a lot of the symbolism that they give the ancients looks like circuitry on a circuit board type stuff. Okay, that's interesting. So it really is a kind of cool blend of both, which personally, I really love sci-fi with my high fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Final Fantasy does that all the time, and I always love it when they when they yeah. do it. Um, it just makes the world a little more visually interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, also, I like the idea of like you know technology. Advanced tech technology would always seem like magic, you know, to people who hadn't been exposed to it before. Um, now, is there anything on the series so far that you wish was different or like improved? Like, is there any any like anything you would like to see them kind of improve in like a season two? I imagine it'll probably get a season two. Yeah. Um, so, again, I'm only about halfway through this first season. They keep introducing us to really, really cool princesses. And so far we get them for like an episode and then they move on to another one. Okay. Because... Uh, spoilers? It's not that big of a spoiler because it's like, but anyways, uh, the rebellion that Glimmer's part of is trying to recruit other princesses from neighboring places to help join the rebellion. Turns out there used to be a whole like group of princesses in it, but after a really bad uh, war, a lot of them left, and so it's pretty much just Glimmer and her mom. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, and so they're trying to rebuild this. Um, oh, that's really interesting. Out. I like that. Okay. So you get to see, uh, so you get to see all these cool characters, and then the next episode you don't see them. Oh. I, I mean, it makes sense. You have to gather everyone up. Yeah. And so I'm just like, ooh, when do I get to see them again? I want to see also all of them together. I want to see how this person will react to this person. So I'm hoping I see it in the first season. But I also wouldn't be that surprised if I don't get too much of that until, like, the second season. Yeah, since it's uh, it's kind of seems like a, it's going towards a typical, like, build the team. Yeah. And then your final two episodes, you get the team, you know. Um, yeah. And kind of, yeah. A, lo- a lot of things do that, which, Absolutely. I mean, is okay. Yeah. Because you also get enough time to meet the people and stuff. It's just, I wish it was, like a full like say 24 episode season and not 13 yeah it's the fact that it's a you know a truncated season that makes it feel kind of you know well you're spending half of it just meeting all these people there's no way you're gonna fit in you know all the time you want to get to know them and like your backstories and all that and that makes sense but you know that's but that's great i mean because that means also they have a lot to mine for season two Oh, yeah, and so far I'm loving all the different characters they're introducing us to, and there's some amazing voice actors that they have in it. It's a wonderful, diverse cast and diverse group of characters. You know, so, like, mix of both is fantastic. Um, And if you look at the list of voice actors, I guarantee you, you will see some faces that you recognize. Um, First off, the person who voice actors uh for Amora slash Shira is the same actor who plays Sophia on The Young and the Hungry, which is a fun show if you haven't watched it, it's really funny and silly. Um I but have not watched show. Uh, it's on you Wait can a minute. It on Netflix. Yes I have. Wait. Uh that's the one with uh oh God, the girl from Hannah Montana, her best friend. Yes. Um yes. So yes. who, okay, so who 
plays the Sophia, voice. Sophia, her best friend. Oh, I love her. Yeah, little so so. Little so so. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. It's her. That's a and fun show. I, she's great. And so, um, also, you have the person who voices Stevani on uh, Steven Universe as Katra. And then, um, have you watched Crazy Ex Girlfriend? I have watched a little bit of that, yeah. Okay, you know the neighbor, the one who's always just kind of, yeah, about everything? Oh, um, yes, I know what you're talking about. Okay, uh, she voice acts, uh, she's a character as well, and then there's like an actor from Superstore who's on it. Oh, which one from Superstore? Uh, the assistant manager, Dina. Oh, Dina's on it? Oh my yes. god, okay. <laughs> yes, and I love her character so much. She's a bad, she's a bad guy, but, like, I love her character. Oh my gosh, she's, the like, one of the best parts of that show. Um. So, yeah, there's, like, they have okay. a great cast. I mean, look, I was already sold, because I was gonna watch it anyway, because I, I like the animation, and I like the, the look of it, but, yeah. It has Dina, and it has a nice cast. It has a little so-so and Dina. I'm, yeah. I'm totally on board. Okay, um, right? I'm gonna be out of town, actually. I'm gonna be flying uh, Saturday, so I might download a few episodes, because uh, Netflix lets you, like, download shit and mm-hmm. watch it, so I might I might do that. I might bank a couple She-Ra episodes so I can catch up. Should definitely do that. I am planning on probably binging a lot of it tonight after we get off of here. I don't have to uh, go in until late tomorrow, so I'm like, I could totally stay up late watching She-Ra. You'll probably finish the season. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's. And then real... I'll be sad. Oh, uh, boo. But I'm um, pretty sure it's confirmed for another season. Um, I don't... Hold on. I imagine I... it will be. I, I mean, it's been getting pretty rave reviews. So, yeah. Um, um, so, <laughs> hey, apparently at the moment it has a hundred percent positive review um, on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> wow. Uh, again, that that might go down. Um, yeah, I mean, as more people, more reviewers, kind of go down. but but still, I mean, if it's still if it's got a hundred now, it's it's probably going to stay in the nineties, mm-hmm. high eighties. So, I mean, that's still great. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so, if you like uh, Steven Universe or Legend of Korra or Voltron, you will love this show. I do love Voltron. Um, and I can't wait for that next season, too. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, so you also made it through, speaking of making it halfway through things, you also made uh, further <laughs> progress into Spider-Man, which, yeah. I've been, which I have been excited to talk about with you. Uh, because so I, I still haven't finished it, but yeah, I am... Almost exactly halfway through the uh, story mode of it, the campaign. Um, I'd probably be farther, but I keep getting distracted by all the uh, different things. And it is so hard to ignore crime while you're playing that game. Um, I feel like we could probably do a whole episode about why we feel guilty about ignoring the crime that's going on while you're playing Spider-Man. I mean, Uh, I agree because I feel like it's doing its job then. Yeah. You're supposed to be a hero and it makes you feel... I mean, and it doesn't make you feel it as in, like, I mean, there's no penalty for ignoring it. You can ignore yeah, it just Yeah, none at fine. all. Uh, because there'll be more crime later that you can then stop and you'll, it'll still fulfill the same requirement. Um, and it's also fun, like, to yeah. do that. Like, they, it's, they, they nailed that balance of, you know, they happen a lot. But yeah. because you can ignore it, there's no penalty and all that, you, you still feel like, okay, I can ignore yeah. it for now. You, and, you don't feel penalized. It's one of those things you find out about it by, 
you know, police reports and, you know, over the, the radio and stuff. So, you know, even if you don't go that technically police are going to be there and they should take care of it. But you also know as Spider-Man, you'll do a better uh, job than the police or a faster one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of where you're like, oh, I, I should go do this. I should go help these people. Yeah, it, it, Spider-Man. that game truly unlike a lot. I mean... It's. I mean, it's up there in the conversation with you know, like uh, Batman did that really well too, where it makes you feel like, you know, you really are a hero responsible for this city in some way. Um, yeah. What is the last? So okay, so we're gonna get in the spoiler territory here, obviously. Uh, so if you haven't finished the game, just know that something could be spoiled. What was the? Uh, what's the last thing that you um, like completed? Like the major story plot point. So I think one of the last main things I did was, uh, I think his name's, is it Screwball? The guy that um, is making stuff for Lee. Um, uh, no, Tombstone. Tombstone. That's who it is. Okay. Tombstone. Um, screwball, screwball. I must be. Yeah. Into. No. So I was looking at a list trying to figure out <laughs> what because I'm like it was a it was a villain I don't know that much yes, about. I know so that it didn't sequence. Stick in my head that much, but it's uh, Mary Jane's mission um, in there. Mission in there. Okay. So that was one of the last big things, but I have uh, come across Taskmaster. Uh, blah 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 blah. Taskmaster. <laughs> And his uh, things around the city, you know, his bombs, which, golly, that's horrible. Uh, (laughs) Those are a pain in the rear. Um, And I've also uh, now have come across black cats, kitty cats hidden across the city, which is fun. Um, So that's another thing, like with all these little side things, I keep wanting to do those, especially the black cat one, because I'm like, I want, um, I can't justify buying the DLC right now yeah. not with pokemon coming out tomorrow well yeah uh, that makes sense pokemon is a little bit higher on my uh, list of priorities uh, no offense to spider-man no i totally get that no that's your jam but i do want more of black cat and so i'm like i just want to go find all of her kitty cats hidden across the city um and by the way but... that is actually a rewarding side quest it seems so. I mean, okay, almost everything they do is rewarding. That's they got a really good balance on that. Yeah. Um, and of course, the story is good. Oh, okay. Speaking of story, so I have now seen uh, Miles's dad die. Oh yeah, that happened. I was not prepared for that. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh cool, more Miles, yay! And then it goes all dark, and I'm like, okay. That's a I mean, really that's a because re- okay. So you did you played that whole sequence, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, him going through the rubble. Oh my god! His dad, and he finds his dad dead, and it's just so sad. But and it's so well done. Like, I man, that that moment is dark. Like that whole is. sequence is really like hits the heartstrings hard, but. Man, it's so well done because it really does like pull you. Like it's shocking that that happens. Mm-hmm. But it's like, like you're not shocked necessarily by the fact that like Norman's attacked. It's a public thing. Yeah. But it's just, it was... it's like the way they handle tension. Yeah, they um, they did it well because also there's a 
a little party that, even though you know he's probably dead, kind of hopes he's still alive. Because yeah, um, it's like you didn't see him die and you're still looking for him. So, like, maybe just maybe he's just hurt really, really bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, I had that, you know, too. Because also, you know, no one no one ever stays dead except for Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, he died. It's, and it's then that's, yeah, that actually kicks off all of the Mr. Negative stuff. For real. Um, I have, I have been, uh, after, because, like, I've, I finished the story mode and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to get into spoiler territory. But what I will say is that I was... When Miles first shows up, I was excited. I was too. But I was so impressed with like how they handled him. Not as a... And it wasn't like as a plot device. It's like he's a fully formed character. And by the end of that game, he has a, a really genuine arc. And, uh, you know, his relationship with Peter and like... There's there's so many things that there's a couple other things bigger things that happen throughout that yeah. story. I um, I came away just immensely impressed that Insomniac not only knocked Peter and Mary Jane out of the park, which you know a lot of people don't get right. They knocked then also in the same game uh, delivered a Miles Morales storyline and a and also like. You know, I mean, there's like two or three other characters in that in that game where you come yeah. out of it at the end and go, oh, my God, like, how the hell? Like, there's so many games oh. have gotten one of those wrong when they only had one of them to focus on and they managed to get like all of it. It's it's yeah. impressive. I, 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 uh, I do know that the ending is apparently pretty emotional because Jane, love you, Jane, told me that she cried at the end of it. And I'm she like, didn't spoil oh, it no. for you, did she? No, she just said she cried. I will, I will, I didn't cry, but man, I was a mess. <laughs> like, I was, so I didn't I'm, cry, but I was a mess. Like, I was like, it, I was yeah. definitely like, See, jaw if on the cried, floor. Yeah, like. There's a, there's a good chance if she cried, I probably will too, because uh, several of the games that we've gotten emotional about, we've both gotten emotional. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. By the way, go play rhyme. You totally need to go play rhyme. Everyone should go play rhyme. Um, <laughs> it's on my list. It's sorry. It's seriously one of my favorite games. Um, but anyway, it's back to Spider Man. Uh, you need to play rhyme so we can talk about it. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, I do also know that a lot of people, when they haven't played the game yet, they get very upset that, say, Venom's not in it, or, you know, all these other Spider-Man characters aren't focused on. And, like, today there was someone who was talking about how they wanted the DLC to have, like, Venom and stuff. I'm like, I don't think they're going to do that, because they want to be able to do a second game. That would be so... Okay. Because I I agree with you 100%. But can I just call that out? That would be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I, be, I agree. That would be so ridiculous. Just like, shoot I, your I second game in the in the foot. I know, right? Like I, I was trying to not be rude, but I'm like, they're not gonna blow all of their good characters in one game. God, uh, you got I mean, 
the how many freaking... years has the comics been going on? You know. Oh my god, it, uh, that that just bothers me. That whole like entitledness, yeah, <laughs> shit. Like that bothers me so much. Like you get a game with literally, how, and just from like not so, going into spoiler I mean, territory, but you've seen yeah. the trailers. Like, yeah, you know, th- there's a whole group of villains, classic villains I mean, in this game. There's so many villains earlier. I couldn't remember one of their names, and because there's so many, I saw the list and I got it wrong the first time. There's that many <laughs> villains in the game. But um, they, yeah, Venom is a, and as we have, we learned nothing from Spider-Man Three. You can't yeah. shoehorn Venom into a movie. It ha- he needs the time to build. There, you wouldn't have the emotional investment that comes with like him having the suit, him losing the suit, Eddie Brock getting the suit. Like all that stuff has to, you know, unless they go a completely different route with it, which is fine. But you have to then make those. You you have Changes. to have investment in it first, and like, if they did w- away with like the whole Mister Negative line, I could see them doing Venom, but they build up Mister Negative in this one. They make you invested in him, which is uh, great, by the way, because I never cared about that character in the comics. Um, always thought he was cool looking and like had a cool design and had a cool premise, but I never really gave a shit and. They did a they did a lot with him in this game to make me like care to invest me yeah. into a character I'm really. I mean, I haven't even gotten that much of like the actual Mister Negative, but again, spoilers. I mean, we've already said this. Yeah. When Peter goes into his office and sees the note to, you know, Aunt May, that was like, good. Damn. Yeah, that was great. There are so many little moments like that that just that, yeah. So to me, having shoehorning. A giant storyline that is, you know, Venom and then eventually, like, that's its own game. And it's okay to save it. Like, you know, you can't can't have everything. Yeah, and because, like, I I haven't had it completely spoiled, but, I mean, I work at a GameStop. So you find out some stuff anyways. I know Doc Ock, you know... Octavius actually does become Doc Ock, at least in some way by the end. I don't know when or how, but um, they before he does that, I mean, they spend a ton of time of him as just Dr. Octavius. Yes. As just, you know, Peter's boss and friend and, you know, they build him as a person. Yes. Not just a villain which is again nice and also like even though i knew it was coming at some point um when i first started playing the game before i knew it happened in this one i was like he's gonna become doc Ock at some point he can't not yeah and i'm like that's gonna be so so sad when that happens because of them doing all of this yeah because you and and that's the same thing everyone knows he's gonna become dr octopus so the good news is you had something spoiled, but like, you know, an obvious one, right? What yeah. I will say uh, is that it's, to me, it's not that he becomes him. It's, it's, it's what you said. It's the investment and relationship with Peter and him. Uh, but also it's the, it's the way they do it and kind of how they pay certain things off that, that makes that resonate, that storyline. So yeah, you see it coming. But it's the they do a really good job of uh, specifically Peter in the game, like how they react to it. It's those you're you're seeing it from their side, and it's, and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's one of those things that I loved about for those who have seen uh, Smallville. Smallville did a similar method with Doomsday. And it mm-hmm. is, to this day, one of the best, if not the best, I would argue it is the best. It is the best interpretation of that character. Now, what I will say is one caveat. I have not seen Krypton. I've heard Krypton is very good. Now, they haven't developed Doomsday, but Doomsday in it is cool. But it's not the same type of approach. So I will say right now, Smallville is the best thing. Why? Because an entire season, they cast the person who would become Doomsday was a person first. Mm -hmm. And then over time, that happens. Right, you yeah. you see that happen, but because you have the emotional and the tether of their humanity, to then contrast that with oh my god, this monster, right, this villain, yeah, it, and it, it makes, makes a difference. Conflicted and actually feel things and not just hate them, just to hate them. Yeah, because um, in I the mean, comics, there's... Doomsday is just someone to punch. He's just, he was just, I yeah. mean, simply created so that he could just kill Superman. And the comics have tried to give him layers and things like that, but it's never really worked. And in that show, they managed to do that. Similarly with Doc Ock, I've, I like the character. I didn't really love the character until uh, he actually became Spider-Man and Superior Spider-Man, which was fantastic. But I didn't really like the character, or sorry, love the character until then. And in this game... The way they handle that, yeah, it's like you start to see those bonds attach, and you're like, "Oh, that's gonna hurt like a mo," when he yeah, when, and, when it happens. And also, it's one of those things. If he becomes him for a certain reason, you may even sympathize. Like, I don't know if I, you know, will or yeah. not, but I'm guessing I will sympathize for the reason why he becomes Doc Ock. Yeah. Uh, I mean, already it's building up that right now he wants to do good for the world, but he's going on from just helping to replace things that people have lost to making them better than they were. Um, you know, kind of the transhumanism approach. He actually, Doc Ock is very extremely transhumanism, but anyways, uh, you know, they're already building that up into it. And so it's becoming already clear to see the road. He goes to become Doc Ock. It's like, what's going to make him turn bad. Yeah, no, uh, I I am excited for you to to see that next chapter. So I'm I'm very excited for you because it is a phenomenal story. I I thought it was great, and uh, I'm also waiting to play the DLC. I'm waiting for all of it to come out, and then I'm gonna buy yeah. like the game of the year edition or whatever, probably. Um, or, (laughs) or probably not. I probably won't wait that long. I'll probably just wait for the third pack to come out and then buy the season pass or whatever and then just do it. Um, I mean, getting the season pass does save you about $5. So there's that. Uh, Better than buying them individually. Um, plus I just want content. Like, you know, I don't want to do like a little content here and then a little content here. Like I'm, I'm taking a break anyway to play something else. So... I might as well just wait for all of them. And then it's like when I come back, I've got like a buffet. Mm-hmm. I have like all this stuff to play. And it'll be nice. Yeah. Um, I wish I, I had also... done that with Batman Arkham <laughs> Yeah. Hey, also by then, maybe I'll be able to do that too. Yeah. Um, and then we can talk and... about the DLC. Yep. <laughs> so I have a feeling we're going to have at least two more Spider-Man 
episodes are, you know, at least Spider-Man appearing in them. So one, when I finish the game, and two, whenever the DLC, uh, we play that. Also, uh, I'll have we, tons of costumes to play as because that new one, that new pack they showed off, has mm-hmm. the Iron Spider suit, and I am a fan. It looks awesome. <laughs> Very happy about that. Um, so I think that also segues pretty well into, hey, Matt, what else are you playing right now? Uh, so I took a break from, I beat Spider-Man. So what I did was I actually had both games. I had two games from Gamefly at the moment. So then I sent back Spider-Man and started playing Tomb Raider because uh, I am a huge Tomb Raider junkie. Um, and this is the third uh, Tomb Raider uh game it's not the third tomb raider game from crystal dynamics it is the third though in this trilogy um which yes. is so it's uh shadow of the tomb raider uh tomb raider they relaunched it and then uh after that first tomb raider game just simply titled tomb raider it was then rise of the tomb raider and then and now, now shadow, shadow of the tomb, tomb raider. raider um kind of bringing yep. this that storyline supposedly to a close now, i am not finished with yep. it um I am probably about, uh, probably about maybe forty percent of the way yeah. through. So, uh, to give you my background on it, I actually haven't fully played any Tomb Raider games. Um, the only what? Tomb Raider game I have played was the very first one, way back when. Oh wow! At, at a friend's house, so it wasn't even my own copy, um, and so I didn't get very far. So the most I know about Tomb Raider is what I've kind of gathered from talking to other people and, of course, you know, just being online and being in the gaming world. And then the movie with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I respect it. I like that I, movie. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't seen that movie since it, like, released, but I loved it when it released. Um, I should probably rewatch it again and see if I still love it. Um, but I do... I did know that they... You know, you have the Tomb Raider games, and so the these three games are basically a prequel to those. Um, yes and no, kind of, kind. Of. It's weird yeah, because no. essentially what they wanted to do was uh, Crystal Dynamics wanted to. Well, for, okay, so just to give you a little mm-hmm. quick history. So yeah, um, that's why I want to tell you <laughs> what I do know of Tomb Raider. <laughs> so uh, originally, um, it was Core was the developer, uh, and then it was Eidos uh, was the publisher. Um, since then, Square Enix bought them, so now Square Enix is the is the house that of Tomb Raider, right? So um, originally, though, it was you know Lorecroft. They released about I want to say four. I want to say four. Uh, I might be off on that, but four, like, kind of full-on Tomb Raider titles. Uh, You know, she kind of broke out with that first one. Tomb Raider 2 was kind of hailed as, like, you know, was, like, the the big game. And then 3 and 4, which weren't actually titled 3 and 4. I believe they were titled something else. I can't remember. So, um, but that was kind of during, like, the PS1 heyday. Then, um... Yeah, I played the old one on the... PlayStation 1. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I played one on the while. Saturn of all things to play. That was like my first Tomb Raider exposure was the Saturn. And then, because uh, someone lent it to me. And then I ended up going back and playing the other ones. Then uh, they tried to do um, a, a next title was supposed to be like the next gen Tomb Raider. That was Angel of Darkness. That is kind of sort of universally panned. 
uh, because it mm-hmm. did not manage to do it and it and it still had issues and things like that. So at that point, the core era stops and and I played all the way through that game, even though it was panned. I still liked parts of it, but it, it had issues. So yeah. um, after that, then Crystal Dynamics kind of got the, you know, got the, the Tomb Raider license. And so they relaunched Tomb Raider. Um, I believe it was Tomb Raider Legend, if I am correct on that. Um, Tomb Raider Legend was awesome. Uh, and that was on the PS3. I believe, if I am oh, correct. Oh, and I do want to do a quick thing. I was talking about the 2001 movie, not the one that came out earlier this year in 2018. Ah, yes. Um, I haven't seen that movie yet. I've only seen the 2001. Good. I dug it. I dug okay. it. <laughs> it so yeah, good. I just I wanted to make sure in case anyone was confused <laughs> by like, what do you mean movie? Yeah, I forgot there was one that came out this year. Um, it was pretty good too. Uh, now, if you've well, okay, so so then. So then after Legend, and Legend was like on 360 and PS3 and like multi-console. And then Legend, then they did the 20th anniversary. It was like the Tomb Raider anniversary edition. So they essentially remade one of the old games in the new engine and did like Mm -hmm. a kind of a tribute. So like they literally went in, pulled all the levels and all this other stuff, but then also gave twists on them and kind of... Kind of remastered it a little, but so with the tweak. So if you had played the original, you can still play this and still have fun and still get a little bit of a different experience. Exactly. And so they did all these classic costumes. It was re- it was good. It was good. I I love Legend a lot. So then after that, then they um, then there was um, there was another title, um, and I'm blanking on the name right now. And then there was Tomb Raider Underworld. And then after that, they what they did was they kind of re, they they wanted to, essentially show you how she became, this Laura Croft that we all know and and stuff like that. So they then did like, it's it's weird. It's not it's it is kind of a reboot. I mean, it is a reboot. So they rebooted mm-hmm. it and show you like essentially her origin story, how she. You know, where she first learns, like, really how to, you know, makes her steps, like, how to survive all the other stuff. and makes her steps to become the Laura that we all know as this, like, globe-spanning, you know, whatever, adventure. So now we're at the... And, and that game is actually... That first game and that relaunch is what the new movie is based on. Like, almost ah. verbatim. So if you, like, after playing the games... I played that game. I love that game. And then I watched the movie, like, uh, it's almost beat for beat, that game. So if you want to get a great idea of what that is, you can watch that movie. Like, it's actually a great entryway into getting to know that character. Um, So then Rise uh, was really good. Rise was really good. Uh, Shadow, I absolutely love. But they did some slightly different things that I think overall pay off. Um... They one of the things they they do here is they actually flesh out the locations in a big way. Um, the previous Tomb Raiders were, you know, very much because and this is perfect because you're you're starting to play Uncharted. Um, yeah. When the first new Tomb Raider came out, the team obviously took some inspiration from Uncharted, like 
it yeah, has I, that sense. I could tell that just from what I've played of Uncharted and what I know of Tomb Raider. Yeah, like they definitely took some, because by that point, by the time they rebooted like Tomb Raider and came out with that new one, uh, Uncharted 2 had already become like, come out and Uncharted 3, I believe, mm-hmm. was like on the way. So like there was already, Uncharted had an established, you know, uh, presence. So obviously they were inspired by some of that. Um, now, granted, you could also say Uncharted took a lot of freaking notes from Tomb Raider because that's what Tomb Raider was doing years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it kind of goes both ways. But but it, it was more about, like, the feel of, you know, moving through caverns and, and mm-hmm. trying to give that cinematic presence. A lot of that is drawn from Uncharted. So in this one, what they do is, like, you'll get to some villages and stuff. And in, and even in Uncharted games and in some of the in, in the previous Tomb Raider games, you know, you you roll you see cities, you see towns, but you're kind of rolling through. You're you're moving forward. Yeah, almost you're always. mainly in the wilderness, you know, and forests or underground and caverns or old ruins or temples or you know yeah and you're kind of and you're moving from (laughs) point a to point b like you'll go through a city or you'll go through a a little you know a hut or whatever and you'll see people around but you're not stopping it's not like you're you're look walking around it it doesn't have that type of flavor to it and in here they actually instilled some of that so like you'll get so like there's one area and you get to and it's like this little village right um but your map is full of stuff it has that like you know spider-man thing like your map is full of stuff to go do there's um what's great is they work some of the like side things and collectibles into uh your abilities so like for instance if there's monoliths what they call monoliths or, or different statues in the game and they're spread all around. Typically, you'll find, like, if you go to certain ones, you'll find, like, clues. And those will, like, you know, take you towards, like, hidden objects or or gold or, or little deposits of things. You can't decipher those, though, until you have a certain language proficiency. And the way you get that is by finding artifacts and things like that around the map and building up your your experience in that particular language. And because you're moving through all these kind of different places, there's multiple languages that you need to be proficient in and certain monoliths are some and uh, some are another. So you're like actually like discovering little, you know, journal notes or you're discovering, you know, artifacts that were left behind or tools or whatever. And your little proficiency in that particular language will go up and it actually makes you want to go back to older areas and see if you're proficient enough to learn and decipher those monoliths, which then point you to other things. It's it's cool how they actually interact. And also, too, because you're doing that, it kind of makes you want to, like, look at the items that you're getting. And if you click the middle uh, touch screen area of your controller, when that happens, it doesn't make you automatically read or look at anything. It just pops up a thing. And so if you hit the middle button, it'll automatically take you to that item, let you look around at it. Some of them have hidden things. So it everything feeds into that you're this researcher, you're this adventure and you're looking into things but it also helps you decipher other things that benefit you in the story right 
That's so, pretty cool, actually. Yeah, so like it, it's all building on that. Uh, also, you can go, you know, fully underwater. There's certain things you're gathering underwater. Everything, every resource in there has a purpose. Um, as far as you know, there are feathers to collect. But unlike Assassin's Creed, where it's just like, oh, you just give them to somebody at the end and they're done. Feathers can be used to craft things. So you're crafting, you know, certain, you'll get like diagrams of armor or diagrams of certain types of arrows that you can then immediately fire. You can craft them on the go, but you're collecting, you know, bear hides, jaguar hides. Uh, you're, you're doing all this stuff and also like just wood that's laying around, uh, berries and all this other stuff to make poison concoctions or you can plant them on bodies that you take out so that other soldiers will come and it'll set off a booby trap. You're, all of that stuff that you're collecting around is always feeding into a direct use. And it doesn't feel like this arbitrary thing that you're just collecting to get 100%. It all kind yeah. of feels. Also, in these towns, there are side quests. So there's mission givers, and they'll highlight them in green. And so each town kind of has like one or two. So it's not a ton, but it's like one or two. And they're actually like... They're not just, oh, they're not quest givers. And so, like, if you'll you'll interact with them and it's kind of like a one-off little side story as opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, hey, go do kill five of these things. It's There's a little story reason behind it and you're moving from little thing to thing and solving that quest. And they do some creative ones. There's some interesting ones there. And there's only, like, one or two per, like, major area. But they're in the town. And the merchants are there. So it feels like, and you can also talk to uh, certain, like if you go through and like there's certain residents in each city that have, uh, you can like hit triangle and talk to them. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them will like tell you something and it'll pop up a thing on your map. So it's like place of interest. And nice. you'll go over there. There's like, they make these little mini town areas feel like they're kind of they're they're real and you can actually spend some time in one area get to know it each one typically has like a jungle area that is kind of completely optional you don't have to go over there uh but there's also extra tombs there's challenge tombs in each one there's crypts that you can go and you also get unearth new things unearth new weapons and stuff but you don't really have to do it it's all kind of difference between a tomb and a crypt a uh, crypt is typically <laughs> a crypt is typically a challenge tomb is like an old school Tomb Raider tomb where you okay. actually like there's it's kind of here's I need to get from point A to point B and how do I get there? So you're gonna be like you're gonna be climbing, you're gonna be going underneath things, you're gonna have to solve puzzles, all that. A crypt mm-hmm. is typically something that's like it's like man made. Um, as far as like, it's like a tunnel. There's typically like some kind of hidden treasure there, but sometimes there are things defending that treasure. Um, whether it be animals or it's typically animals of some kind, uh, cause you're typically with jungles and things like that. They're not as like, they're harder to find. The challenge okay. tombs are clearly, they're not clearly marked, but they're well marked. Like you'll see these yellow painted skulls near mm-hmm. areas that have a challenge tomb. And you'll go in there and it's more of a bigger, like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to move the water wheel and I need to set something on fire. And then like, like <laughs> this, like this one had me to get through this door. I had to, there was a pit that if I pulled the lever with my arrow, with a rope arrow, I pull the lever, it lets oil out into a vat. 
then there's another thing that sets that vat on fire and there's a trail going from one oil thing to the other and I have to line up all these lines so that the oil can flow to the right spot, thus mm-hmm. setting it on fire, making the fire trail go to the right spot and burn down a barrier for a door. Gotcha. That's a tomb as opposed to a crypt. You're not really doing any puzzles. There might be some light platforming, but you're really like going down there to find something and typically you're going to have to fight something or do whatever but they're they're harder to find because they're typically like tucked away but they're so not they, hard they sound kind of more like explorative where yeah. the others are more like puzzle based yeah you're gonna have to do something with the other ones so um and so all of those are like in these other areas as far as the story the story's really good so far one of the best things i think that they've done with these games and especially here uh rise did it a lot too but i think even more so here you come out and sometimes you really get mad at Laura. But it's not like, oh, God, you're so stupid. It's not that. It's not like game logic. <laughs> it's not story. like you yelling at a horror movie when someone yeah. does something that they don't need to do. It's, it's not. Like, how you're, could you be you're so never, idiot? You're never, um, you're never criticizing her intelligence. It is never like she's making a boneheaded decision. You, but you're criticizing her. You're angry at her sometimes, frustrated because she makes very human decisions, and she makes decisions that you go, "God, would you think for a minute? Like, just don't move. Just take five minutes and think about the long-term ramifications of what you're about to to do." Yeah, and think for a moment. And that's a very human thing, and it's also a very human thing for her because you know she is like that, right? She she gets an idea in her head. Yeah, and they have a secondary character there named Jonah who voices those opinions. So you you in the in the world you have someone saying those things to her and sometimes she comes off kind of like, you know, a complete jerk cuz she's just not thinking. Yeah. But it's human. It it makes it turns her into, you know, from this myth, from this unbeatable thing, person into an actual person. And I think they do that so well here. Uh, because you're always rooting for her and you always want her to win, but sometimes you just are like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Think this through. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like good. watching a friend make a stupid mistake. It's yes. like, come on. Exactly. You're like, really? Like, do I need to bring this up to you? Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and, and also, those decisions have consequences, like real world ones, in the game. And so there is like she's coming to terms with, you know, some amount of guilt and it's earned because of things she does like early yeah. on. And you're like, why would you do? You know, so it, it's really it's really interesting. I I love this franchise as a whole, but I think what Crystal Dynamics has done with these games is really let you see the other side to a superhero. And they've really humanized uh, this character that had kind of been an icon for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> you know? A lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they've really fleshed her out and made her a three-dimensional character. Uh, and, and on top of that, I mean, the game's gorgeous. I mean, the game is gorgeous. The stealth mechanics are really good. Like, from a technical level, it's a very sound game. Um, you know, if you're not a Tomb Raider, like if you haven't liked any of the the last two Tomb Raider games, there's nothing mm-hmm. here that's going to, I don't think anyway, there's anything here that's going to necessarily win you over from a mechanics standpoint. 
Um, yeah. But from a from a but if you like good stories and if you like adventures like that, uh, which I do, um, then I think you know it's definitely worth a shot. Even if you haven't played the other ones, you can grasp enough. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can get enough from here. So yeah, very good. I love it. I will finish it at some point. There's also DLC coming for this, so I'm gonna kind of my plan is we'll, we'll see if it works everything. out. I know, so <laughs> my plan is if it works out, I will finish this. By that point, all the Spider-Man DLC will be out, so then I can just switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's my like, plan. Okay, put a pause on that. Also, you still need to get a Switch sometime. But, yeah, I know. You know that, and, that's another story. And play Red Dead and play every other oh, know, man. Dragon I mean, Quest I, is out there. I haven't even touched that. Like, there's so much. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've started God of War, and I still oh, haven't finished too. God of War. That, too. I did see, speaking, you know, uh, speaking of... Uh, of GameStop since you weren't there. I did see them uh, advertise a Black Friday ad mm-hmm. uh, where it was Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition for $9.99. And I'm yeah, really this crazy. close to doing that because I have not I mean, played that. You should. I love... I Okay, I haven't fully completed that game either. I keep getting distracted by it's very it easy. because it's such a pretty world. <laughs> uh, but it's even though I haven't finished it yet, it is on like my top 10 favorite game list. Um, so is rhyme. So but it's yes. ten bucks too. I can't beat yeah. ten bucks for all of it. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm pretty I, sure I that starts on Sunday. I think. Yeah, I might so have not to too that. bad. I might have to do that. That that will. That's on. That's another one that's on my backlog. God of War too. I have yet to play yeah. that. I'm so behind. I, I'm about eight hours into God of War. I decided that since Spider Man is kind of the big one right now, I was going to try and finish it, then go back to probably Horizon, and then God of War. <laughs> I don't know. I may try to do God of War because I think I could probably finish God of War before I finish Horizon just because uh, God of War is a little bit more um, streamlined as yeah. far as like it's not at, nowhere near as open world as Horizon is. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, oh, my gosh, I still haven't finished Breath of the Wild because I keep getting distracted by everything. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that too. Yeah. And I'm also playing um, I'm in between all these bouts. I'm playing Witcher 3. So, you know, I, I still haven't played that, and that's on my oh, to playlist so too. So, so. Um, so uh, yeah, so I think that uh brings our discussion to a close. Yeah, uh, we, and we could have a whole episode on just the woes of not being able to play every game because there's too many good games, and that's a good problem to have. Like, yeah. it's, it's a good problem to have, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely like, I feel like I need to take like four days off. Just oh, to know. truck through some of this stuff, just so I can get through, because I don't want to miss it. Like I know, you know, like Horizon and, Zero Dawn has been out to, for what a year, over a year, over yeah, a year. It'll be uh, it'll be two this coming. What, oh my god, that's crazy! February March, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's still it, it's an amazing game, and you also have um, so good news. You could probably play Rhyme and like. One night or two days or, you know, like, probably max, like, three days. You could probably play and finish Shrine, your first playthrough. I need to play that, too. You do. It's on my list. Mm-hmm. That list is growing. I know, right? Oh, that's crazy. Every it doesn't new- stop. <sighs> new games just need to stop for, like, a month. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a month. <laughs> it doesn't even stop. Uh, but, yeah. So, um, any shout-outs this week? Um, go watch She-Ra. There it is. <laughs> Booyah. Um, 
And then, of course, I mean, I could always shout out a podcast. Um, I guess this week I will shout out what I've been listening to most recently. I mean, I listen to like several a day. So anyways, give me one second. Uh, trying to do one that I haven't shouted out before. Um... Oh, I know. Um, Up and Banished. Um, it is one of the uh, true crime podcasts. It's uh, on the How Stuff Works network. And they're doing season two right now of Up and Banished. Season one is done and completed. And oh man, that was an amazing listen. And season two so far is pretty good as well. Nice. Yep. Very and if nice. you like true crime, it's pretty cool for that. Very nice. Um... What do I have? I haven't listened to any really new podcasts lately. Um, what I have done, though, is read some uh, really good comics. Oh, cool. So I will shout that out. Uh, I will actually shout out. Um, it's one issue in. But uh, the recent Green Lantern relaunch was really good. It was oh, really? really good. Yeah, it was really good. It's Grant uh the Green Lantern number 1. Uh Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp are both uh on that book and it is a I love I adore Green Lantern. The Green Lantern books have struggled in recent in like the last year or so with like being consistently kind of moving, you know, that sector of the DC universe forward um green lanterns was really good i really liked that uh hal jordan and the green lantern court kind of dropped off this kind of brings it back to focusing on some core concepts uh it's you know it's guardians it's it's uh creative and but it's creative but it also feels vintage in a way it's very if you liked some of those older green lantern stories kind of during um, during like especially like some parts in like the seventies and the eighties, there's some you'll you'll get a kick out of this. But it does it in a modern and you know fun way. It doesn't it's it doesn't feel retro for retro's sake. It doesn't feel like it's a step backwards. It feels like uh, very fresh. Uh, and and Liam Sharp's art is very nice too. So um, I'm very excited for this. Um, it delivered. Uh, also, uh, a book I am surprised that I give a shit about is Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never been a Fantastic Four fan, like, just ever. It's just that they didn't do it for me. Uh, but the current run with Dan Slott and uh, Sarah Pacelli is fantastic. Um, and I, I have nothing but good things to say about that. It's three issues in. The third issue just came out this week. Um, also, uh, there's a new book from Boom Ooh. Uh, that uh, is called Sparrowhawk. I... I want to say the writer is D Delilah Dawson, I believe is her name. I f do not remember the artist, um, but I will definitely put those in the show notes because uh, it is two issues in. The second issue just came out maybe a week ago, but uh, very, very different, but very, like if you like, um, it's hard to... It's hard to like it's a weird it's a weird book but like um it's got it, it's like if you like fantasy but with a like the fantasy world in this case is not your typical um i'm trying to find a, a way okay 
<laughs> I try to find a way to describe this because without getting into like more detail, it's it's kind of hard to describe. But essentially, uh, you know, part of it takes place in the real world and part of it takes place in or not the real world, our world. And the other part takes place in like this other fantasy world. But as opposed to like typical medieval fantasy, high fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, this world is is surreal. I would compare this world more to something like Alice in Wonderland than I Ooh. would you know, a typical, like, Final Fantasy, high fantasy world. Um, yeah. And it's it's unique, and it's kind of weird. It's it's quirky. The art is cool. Uh, the main character uh, is, uh, it's, she's, um, she's just really cool. She's just charming, but she's also, you know, like, you're, you're watching her come to terms with the way things are right now. She's very easy to... Uh, get behind as a lead um and also and easy to relate to considering what's going on and exactly things. yeah like and, and she the the supporting cast is small so far because really in the first issue it's like her and someone else in this other creature um that are really the only people like talking and then in the second issue there's another person that kind of gets added to this mix and it's just this, it's a really creative world and it's kind of different from a lot of other stuff. And so it's, it's very, it's a breath of fresh air. I read a lot of comics. And so in two issues, I think I've given both of them either fours or fives. So, um, it, fantastic. I really like it. Uh, it's really interesting. So if you're going to give something new a try, I would definitely recommend that. And what was the name again? It is Sparrowhawk. Sparrowhawk. So, yeah, cool. Very cool. Sweet. So, uh, I guess that does it for this week. Uh, Matt, where can we find you? Uh, you can always find me at Night of Oa. Uh, actually, I am not Night of I can't stop saying that. Matt <laughs> Mueller CB on Twitter. Uh, I'm also uh, Night of Oa CB on Instagram if you want to follow me there. Um, and then, of course, you can find me on PlayStation Network uh, as Night of Oa as well. And then all articles uh, that we write are on comicbook.com. Also, uh, as part of the extended Chasing Geek fam, uh, me and Nick Valdez, uh, another big Power Rangers fan over at comicbook.com, are doing a podcast as part of our Chasing Geek network. So um, uh, the Putty Hour is where we talk Power Rangers all the time. Uh, so you can definitely check that on chasinggeek.com. Uh, and where can they find you? So I'm I'm pretty easy. I am pint sized ginger on everything. You suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was everything. I mean, I'm I'm that on everything except for Facebook because Facebook, you are you, uh, and I am me. And um, <laughs> then you can find us as Chasing Geek at chasinggeek.com as well as on Instagram. Whoa, actually not on Instagram yet. I've been actually thinking about making us an Instagram. Um, But so, you know, you can find us on Twitter (laughs) and Tumblr and (laughs) Facebook, all uh, Chasing Geek. And of course, you can listen to our podcast on, well, whatever you're listening to right now, but also iTunes and Spotify and pretty much any podcast uh, catcher you uh, use. I actually use uh, Pocket Casts or Podbean. Um, And so, yeah, I think that does it for this week. So um, am I forgetting anything, Matt? No, I think you're good. Cool. So until next time, keep chasing geek. Deuces, peoples. (laughs) Bloop. Bloop.